Good afternoon. You're listening to WNHH, streaming live from our offices on Elm Street at 103.5 FM New Haven and newhavenindependent.org. A podcast of this and previous episodes is available on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we're also on Facebook Live at um, the New Haven Independent. Welcome to Artbeat, an exploration into the visual landscape of Greater New Haven here on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Daniel Fitzmorris, Executive Director of Creative Arts Workshop, and I have two guests today who are both photographers, and they have worked together on an exhibit at the New Haven Museum called Capital America, and it's my pleasure to welcome Rob and David to the show. Welcome. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? So Good. beyond being photographers and beyond um, working together on this uh, exhibit at the New Haven Museum, um, who are you? Introduce yourselves to the audience. Um, why don't you start, Rob? Um, yeah, my name's Rob Lissack, and I've been in New Haven for a long time. I um, am a photographer, and I make my living doing commercial work, although uh, I also taught at the college level for about 20 years as well. Uh, but mainly I do, I do commercial work of various kinds. And um, I went. I wound up in New Haven um, because I went to the School of Art here and got an MFA in photography at Yale mm -hmm. and stayed on in the area. My family was in the area, and, uh, you know, that was uh, part of the reason to stay on. And... Um, you know, I guess I thought I would um, do my art, get a teaching job, and that would be the path I would take. But, you know, I wound up uh, going into commercial work, and uh, that's been an interesting road. And uh, David and I have known each other really since that time. He was an undergraduate when I was at Yale when I was in graduate school. Oh, okay. And uh, we met in the darkroom there, I think, right? That's what... That's what the rumor Legend right. says. Right. I'm not right. sure if it was in the dark room or in a classroom or somewhere, but yeah, somewhere dark room sounds good. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's uh, and that's great. Well, and then you stumble upon this person named David in the dark room. I like that story best. Seems to work well. Yeah. I'm David Ottenstein. Um, I, as we just pointed out, I met uh, Rob when I was an undergraduate at Yale, uh, majoring in American Studies and Photography. So I spent a lot of time in the darkroom. Um, I have been, like Robert, I've been a commercial photographer for most of my career. But in recent years, I'm doing a lot less commercial work and a lot more of what would come under the heading of fine art photography. I've been spending a lot of time traveling out west, particularly in Iowa and the mid and Midwest generally. Um, and it was some of the work that I was doing in my travels out West that came to Rob's attention, which eventually led to this project. Hmm, great. Well, before we get to the project, you both said it, and it's worth defining, I think, for folks who might not know, um, what's the distinction between commercial photography and fine art photography? As you see it, I'm sure there's not only one simple answer to that. Right, and we may even have some slightly different answers. Um, Commercial photography for me essentially means work that is commissioned by and paid for by a client mm -hmm. who wants something specific done. 
for me, a lot of that over the years has been architectural photography, some of which is, has been for architects, some for builders and contractors, mm-hmm. sometimes for publications that cover architectural sort of work. Okay. But I've also done a pretty broad range of work for all kinds of uh, clients, including nonprofit organizations, a mm-hmm. lot of work for Yale over mm-hmm. the years and other universities and hospitals. Um, so that to me is what separates the commercial work from, I'm always reluctant to call it exactly fine art because right. that has a whole bunch of connotations and what exactly does that mean? But for me, what that has meant is work that I assign myself, work mm-hmm. that I do on my own and then try to sell through galleries to collectors to museums uh or that might be intended for a book project Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's work that that comes from what i want to be doing with my photography as opposed to what a client needs me to do for them sure seem right that, that distinction really uh is relatively new there was for most of the history of photography there was no such distinction the the growth of photography as a as an art form that became really a full-time profession is from the past 40, 50 years, maybe 40 years. Right, because it started strictly in a commercial context. Yeah, right. A and, functional, right. I need an image of this widget. Right. For instance, uh, you know, uh, a name that some people might know is Henri Cartier-Bresson, mm-hmm. who's a great, considered one of the great photographers in the history of the medium. He, um, he worked. He was a co-founder of, of the famous uh, uh, photo agency Magnum, mm-hmm. and they they sent pictures out to various news agencies and so on. And it became a way for photographers to protect their own work. And um, many of the assignments that they did were self self assigned, and then became used in magazines and so on. But um, but he was essentially a commercial photographer. Now, you know, things are different now with MFA programs and right. you know, the university structure behind the art world and the way the art world functions. So there really, there is something of a distinction. I mean, for, for me, I mean, it's still the same endeavor. And the work that I find right. most satisfying commercially is work that I would do anyway. Um, on my own and you choose some, your clients. I yeah, suppose. exactly. And occasionally it's, it's wonderful because you through a commercial assignment, you may get access to people in places that you might not be able to do mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a, as an individual person. So, you know, on the, on the best days, there's a dovetailing of the two. It's blurrier than yeah. you might seem. I bet there are a few photographers who exhibit one and not the other. Right. You have to be a great artist and a, and right. a great commercial business owner, you know, things yeah. like that. I mean, there are photographers who go, go into it strictly to make a living and yep. all of that. But, you know, most people <laughs> have ideas about making, making something worthwhile beyond yep. the commercial assignment. Sure. Great. Well, um, I've said many, many times on this show, and I said it to you all before the show that I think the New Haven Museum is this great art venue. It's funny, you know, blending of history and art all together and New Haven, you know, all together in one place. But um, there's always a great story about how the ideas for their different exhibits come about. So how right. did this exhibit come about um, and how did it come to live until June 30th? And, you know, for a time at the New Haven Museum. 
Well, um, I've been participating in citywide open studios for a number of years. I have a small space over at Erector Square. And I've always used that opportunity as just a way to show works in progress of mm-hmm. various projects that I'm working on. And uh, it gets me to ma- actually make prints. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it's, it's nice to have people come in and be able to just see what you're doing and um, get, get some feedback from, from people. And uh, Margaret Ann mm-hmm. from the museum had stopped in. And, Often Margaret Ann is somewhere in the mix of the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And the, um, uh, I had some of the pictures from the um, Capitals Project up, and she was very interested in them and spoke about them. And then this most recent October, um, you know, David and I used my space to show just the Capitals Project. Okay. And, to do it jointly so you know we we both had our pictures up there and it, and instead of just being uh kind of loose work works and project um works in progress uh set of my pictures it was david and i mm-hmm. showing this capital work a little more formally for the first time and margaret ann stopped in again and she kind of said you know i, I am really interested in this we had met with her uh, David and I had met with her earlier in the year, and she was like, nah, I don't know quite how we're going to fit this in or how it might work. But it's, And, you know, we kind of let it go. But after this most recent uh, Citywide Open Studio, she contacted us again, and we went back, and she had formulated an idea of how mm-hmm. these pictures might work in association with the current mm-hmm. exhibit on road trips. Right. And... um so anyway, that's... so but then so you'd had this you had been working together to some extent on on taking photos of the Capitol before this right. this is something you a personal project yeah. right we had been officially working on the project for probably two two to three years yeah I think um, with the idea in mind that there could be an exhibit or exhibits mm-hmm. down the road but also I think very much with the idea that this project would eventually be a, be a book, Mm -hmm. um, which is exactly what we're still planning on and Mm -hmm. working towards. That's great. The the book has been a driving idea for both of us. Um, David has been engaged in a really incredible project for the past 10, 12 years of going out to the Midwest, Iowa specifically, um, photographing the change in the, the idea of the family farm okay and you know i've been looking at those pictures on he's shown them in various places and you know we're friends and i would look at the work when he would come back from a trip and in one of them he happened to have stopped in to um, the ohio state capitol on the way back and he just shot a few pictures and i immediately thought of a book from the 70s that had had a huge influence on me it was called courthouse Mm-hmm. And it was a project put together by an architectural historian, but she hired a bunch of really well-regarded young photographers to mm-hmm. go out and photograph the, the the common county courthouse around the, the United States. It was a beautiful book. And conceptually and also just uh, photographically and visually, it had a huge impact on me. I was a young student of photography at the time. And I went home and I pulled the book out and I'm looking at it and I called David the next day and I said, I have an idea for us, you know? uh, Well, there's a lot of history there then, right? It goes back to your time in school, a couple pictures you took in Iowa. Yeah, it was kind of a chance thing, you know? And um, 
you know, I knew David would be going back uh, to the Midwest and the upper Midwest regularly. And one of my children had just gotten a job in Southern California. So mm-hmm. I had reason to be maybe driving back and forth. Yep. So I thought, you know what, between the two of us, we really can do this. Yep. We can divide and conquer a bit. And um, we took a early on and, and David was very enthusiastic. His, his, his undergraduate background is in American studies. So he was right. immediately connected right. to the idea about this. And, um, we, um, it was exactly this time of year, but whether it was three or four, it seems like it has to have been three years ago yeah, that we did the test, yeah. uh, the test road anyway, trip. Anyway, we, we, wow. we said, okay, let's see if we can so hit the road be to on photograph the same as many capitals as you could no. or to go to some of the ones you love. Well, we, we, picked, we picked four okay. that we knew that we could easily tackle mm-hmm. in a relatively short road trip. I think it was about three days mm-hmm. that yeah. we spent. Right. Um, we went to uh, Albany, New York, uh, Montpelier, Vermont. Concord, New Hampshire, and Boston. Okay. The idea was that we would both photograph these buildings mm-hmm. um, and then really compare the photographs to answer questions like, is the work compatible? Is the work similar enough, but not too similar that it makes sense together? And did we enjoy working on yeah. a project These together? These sound like easy breakfast conversations. Right. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, and it was just to see if we're on the same page. At least you're friends was, already. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. and um, <laughs> and although, throughout all this, we've remained and you're still good friends, friends. And which you're still is friends. remarkable because I I know I push David and annoy him in all sorts of ways, but he's and of he's, course I do the same back. He's been right. mentioned. So you uh, picked you uh, picked your places, right? You had four right. places in mind. Um, um, I've seen the exhibit, so I know a couple of things about it, and um, I'd of course encourage folks to go. One thing I knew coming into today is that um, it's all black and white images at least that that you chose for the exhibit and is that something as a photographer in collaboration with each other you decided at the onset do you take the photos in with intention knowing that they're going to be in black and white in presentation or is that something that came about organically in the process we we're both at heart i think black and white photographers Mm -hmm. We talked about it some beforehand, whether it would be black and white or color or both. But I think we, I think it's fair to say we left that, the answer to that, we left somewhat open. I think we both knew we'd be photographing in black and white. Hmm. Because we were doing this all digitally, we also knew we had the option later of doing black and white or color. But I think what we both found fairly quickly was that we wanted to do it in black and white, but we also recognized that there were very worthwhile photographs to take that needed to be done in color. Mm-hmm. So, and that's really been the, the driving idea in how we've done this. Uh, I think we see it principally as black and white, but where there's a, where there's a uh, need for an image or an image only works if it's color, then we do it that way. And the plan has been and continues to be that as long as that can make sense, as long as we can work out a layout in a book that accommodates both, and I think that shouldn't really be a problem, then that's how we would, that's how we would do it. Right. And I, I would say it's working out to be 15% maybe color photographs. And this also harkens back to the, the book I mentioned, Courthouse, because that book had about that percentage of color oh, photographs wow. in a predominantly black and white book. And uh, it's, it's, it, it's interesting to me how 
organically we've we settled on that number and there's been no real we've really been on the same page about wow. that without even discussing it uh, you know in particular um it just seems to be that number of pictures really do need to be in color mm-hmm. but um one of the, and it's you know there's nothing wrong with color it's just there there is an elegance and beauty to black and white that i think right. a lot of people appreciate and i know i do but also i do find that in a book like this if it's completely color it it can lose focus mm-hmm. it can be just about the the richness of the color right and you lose the sense of the architectural integrity of some of the spaces and some of the elegance and also some of the some of the meaning behind the pictures mm-hmm. so um There's something timeless about it i mean yeah. the, the color you might repaint right. <laughs> you right. might redecorate but right. there's a, a timelessness to black right. and white did um so then gear wise and if you're on facebook live you can look at this gear that uh, rob had brought in so do you have to agree on the kind of gear you're going to use to do this show and book together or is this a coincidence that you both tend to again do well i think the only real question was whether or not this would be and i don't really remember how much we talked about that or not it may have been kind of obvious but how much if whether or not we would simply do this with the tools that were working with now which is digital as yes. opposed to say four by five film which we oh, both sure. used to shoot sure um i suppose you ruled out film early on or you had a discussion about that i did i, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, I don't have enough years left in my life to, to, we bo- both david and i spent many years yeah shooting film and i i love the darkroom i really do yeah. i mean i i miss that uh but as far as the practicality of it and more importantly than the practicality, the actual result is so much better in in uh, using digital, mm-hmm. uh, good digital cameras. That there's no question in my mind that that's the way it should be, and I, I'm sure David agrees too. Yes, pretty uh, much. Uh, so, so once we got past the idea of well, is it going to be film or not? No, we're yep. going to go digital. Um, we simply we're do we do a lot of the photography that we do is very similar in terms of the subject matter and the approach that we use Mm -hmm. to it. So he's shooting with Canon. I'm shooting with Nikon, but other than that, we're really using the same thing. It's just by a different manufacturer. We both have, this is the one area you disagree. Yeah. Right. right, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you have some kind of lens. I understand it. That is unique to, to architectural photography or. Yeah. They're called, it's called a tilt and shift lens. And, there, it's, and it's huge. Yeah, it's, for one thing, it's available in both, uh, you know, Canon and Nikon. It's also sometimes referred to as a perspective control lens, right? Um, but what it's doing, and Robert will will show some of this. It the way I look at it is the lens is designed to imitate a lot of the movements that a view camera used to let us do. Okay. The the old style camera, the view camera, had a lens in the front and a film in the back mm-hmm. and a flexible bellows in between. So that let you move the lens in different ways to control for uh, perspective okay. and plane of focus and things of that sort. This is designed to imitate that. And I say imitate because it does, overall, it does many of the same things that the view camera did, but not with the range of movement and flexibility. It's a little smaller. Yeah, so what you would do is, I don't know, 
you have the camera, um, you would put it on a tripod and you would make sure that the back of the camera is parallel to the to the vertical lines mm-hmm. of the building mm-hmm. because otherwise you get the building, you know, giving you str- giving you um, a very odd receding angles. So that's the first thing. And but then if you do that, you often have um, a problem of not being able to get your view high enough to get the top right. end of a room or the building. So you would take the lens and you can actually raise the oh, front wow. of the lens. And this allows you to, to uh, get a higher point of view, even though while maintaining the uh, back of the camera parallel. I see. The, so it's that lines. direction that yeah. you're the, gaining. I think one right. way to understand this is everybody knows what happens when you take a picture or try to take a picture of a tall building <laughs> and you can't fit it in. You point your camera up yes. and then the p- building appears to be leaning backwards. Yes. Which right. is called parallax. Right. What this is by always keeping the film plane parallel to the mm-hmm. facade of the building you won't get that leaning effect, but you can, in effect, point your camera up wow. at it by simply raising the, the shift of the and lens. And you're saying you used to be able to go bigger than that, and you go higher than that. Yeah, and, and, the, the view cameras uh, that one used to use for architecture, they had movable fronts and backs, wow. and you would move the front of the uh, camera, keep the back parallel, and you would put individual sheets yeah. of film in and do it that way. This wow. essentially does the same thing. One interesting thing, which I think uh, can be easily done in digital photography that with film would be difficult, but like right now I have this lens raised up and I could take a photograph that way and then I can, leaving the camera on the tripod, I can lower the lens and shoot a second exposure. Okay. And then I can put those two together for a different perspective than I it, it's so awkward to see you do that. It looks like you've broken the camera, but yeah, I. <laughs> it is. It, it's, it's it's a it's. But for instance, here's um. This is uh, a um. Um, a courtroom in one of the state houses. Okay. This is from Lansing, Michigan, and you know it's a perfectly okay picture, right, of yep. this scene. Um, so I shot this with the lens raised to get the ceiling and the upper part of the of the room. Sure. I shot a second exposure like this in the exact same spot lowering mm-hmm. the front of the lens to get the lower part of the room and then you can put them together Oof. digitally to get That's great. a broader perspective That's of great. the room. It's Yeah, it really um it it can be wonderful. It it's a tedious process. And you don't see the whole picture while you're photographing, so you right. have to kind of have a conception right. of it in your mind. And this is a second example wow. I'll show quickly. This is a part of a staircase also in Lansing, Michigan. And this is the other part of that same yep. staircase standing in the same spot. And then when you put the two together, now these were side by side. I moved the lens yeah. from one side from the right to the left and vice versa. And then here you put them together mm-hmm. and you it's, get this more open view. Right. It's much more like you're there. It does. It, it opens is. up your pain. Like you can be there. Right. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting that you said that uh, because when you use a wide lens, it tends to have this exaggerated mm-hmm. um, distortion of the space. 
But I've found that if you use that same wide lens and you put two of those exposures together, it very much feels like vision. Right. It feels like your open sort of binocular vision of the space. And uh, it can be wonderful. People do react to it in the sense of like, oh, it feels like you're in the room. Yeah, it definitely Um, appears that way rather than, it doesn't feel distorted. It's very realistic. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, it eliminates the distortion because you're essentially doubling the amount of information and the way you put it together eliminates a lot of that perceived distortion that mm-hmm. the wide-angle lens introduces. And as I said, it's it's a fairly tedious thing and you can't see the finished picture until you get right. back to the computer. So you're kind of, and it, do, it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes I'll get back <laughs> sure. and I'll put the two things together <laughs> and you kind of shrug your shoulders and go, oh, well. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Um, but that's, you know, as an architectural photographer, you must have to, you know, you do have to trust a little bit in that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it works more often than not. So, uh, and if it doesn't work, you still have one or the other of the frames that you did to combine for that, that likely would, uh, would work. So for example, in the body of work that you've made for this project, I mean, how often are you using this technique? Is this common or is this sort of a, a wow factor kind of, uh, choice? I would call it no. It's not a wow factor. It's just to, for me. It's just another tool yeah. in the bag. Just like you know, a twenty-four millimeter lens versus a thirty-five is another tool that we choose from. And I think what's also happened a couple of years ago, the software that we're using to handle the the digital files after we shoot and to edit them incorporated the ability to stitch images together. Mm-hmm. That used to you have to used to have to export the files go into Photoshop or another program and stitch them together. Now that that's gotten easier, that has encouraged me to use this right. two-part or three-part stitching even more. Oh, so you can do more than two. You yeah, can do you a can. whole bunch. Yes. You can, yeah, oh, wow. within within reason, yeah. Um, <laughs> to get it exactly perfect, yeah. you're kind of limited to two, sometimes three. Um, uh, beyond that, you it becomes a different kind of picture, but okay. um, it, I find jigsaw I, puzzle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found myself using it more and more actually. Yeah. Although I do, sometimes I'll come back from a shoot and I'll think, eh, I don't know, maybe did I overdo that? You know, but it's, it's just one of those editing things in your head that, mm-hmm. you know, you constantly struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, always with the idea that, well, I'm, 800 miles from home or whatever it is, I may not be back here for a while. So let me shoot everything as as I that can. I might end up yeah. using and then figure out in editing what really, what, what, what worked best. Yeah. So then now that once you'd made all this work, I noticed it was very beautifully framed <laughs> and, uh, where they, it looked like Peterson. Oh, the framing yeah. at the show. Yeah. Uh, it was done by Schofield and Vos. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but then how did, who curated the exhibit then? Were you guys really involved in, in the selection of the pieces and in the hanging of the work and where the things were located? Um, or did you feel like you just handed off? Uh, I, it's in, interesting in photography, you could hand off like a flash drive and say, yeah. you know, here we go. Or, or did you manage some of the printing and the framing ideas? Well, we, we worked with, the staff at Mm -hmm. the New Haven Museum. We had some preliminary discussions about what kind of pictures uh, would be good to include, pictures that touched on perhaps just different stories or things Mm -hmm. that we observed or found important about this whole process. But for the most part, we really, we made the selections about what images would go in there. We did the printing. Yeah. um, And we worked 
with them and figuring out, you know, we kind of recommended, we think that this one should go here. These two should go next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to say that we didn't have to be at, involved at all in actually physically <laughs> yes, hanging I them. I hope uh, not. I hope Definitely not. not one of my favorite uh, photographic pursuits. And they oh, did a wonderful they, they job with that. They did a beautiful that. job of it. Uh, it. I mean, obviously David and I like the pictures, but even uh, if for whatever reason this type of photography doesn't interest you, you should go see the show because it's such a perfect match of of uh, subject matter and the place that it's installed in the rotunda. Yeah, and speak more museum. about that because if you've not, I mean, it really is a, a stunning building from the outside. And then when you finally get the joy to step in, I think lots of people pass it on, right. on Whitney, uh, but yeah. you finally get the joy to go in, you're met with an even more beautiful interior. And yeah, and yeah the rotunda, to speak to that a little it's, bit. It's great. Uh, this The show's installed in the second floor landing of the rotunda. And there are these wonderful, elegant white, columns around um and uh, you know most of the capitol buildings have rotundas mm-hmm. and the nature of the photographs we were showing there have a real echo within that space right. of the space itself and uh it, it's just it's just a perfect match of of subject matter and 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 museum space that it exists in uh i was both david and i were incredibly gratified uh when we finally saw it on the wall and um the staff there did an outstanding job of just you know the installation the lighting they they repainted the the interior of the rotunda Mm -hmm. it it looks great it's it's worth a visit for that alone if yeah and i don't even remember it was there before but it does feel like it fits right there's something about the subject matter that fits the architecture of that space and and you're right it fits with the other exhibits they have right now about road trips and and whatnot so yeah yeah, it does it does sort of uh complete things or sort of gives you somewhere to go between the sort of more immersive kinds of spaces they have there right um did you uh, did you feel like you're going to in it? I mean, is there a goal to finish the project? Meaning we've 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 photographed every capital to some extent, or well, we're almost done. You're uh, almost done. Yeah, we have we have essentially three or four more to, wow. to go. Um, What's missing? Dare we, I ask? Uh, well, we <laughs> and left, why we left a lot of the east northeastern ones to to last yeah. because we knew we'd get to it eventually. I actually have to still get to Connecticut, which. You know, <laughs> I'll get there anyway. And also I'm scheduled to do uh, Augusta, Maine and David is scheduled to do Trenton, New Jersey and Providence, Rhode Island. Well, I'm not scheduled for Providence yet, but that one's so easy that I'll just do it. But in two weeks I'm leaving on a trip and I'm going to first stop will be Trenton and I'm going to do that. Um, there are a couple of other places. That's a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, it's been a yeah. couple of years, but that's a lot of places. I mean, you've, you'll have essentially visited every state in a couple of years time. That's great. Well, one, that was actually one of the, reasons i thought that david and i would be able to do this together is because we both were going to be taking these road trips and we could we could legitimately think that we could get to 25 different places Mm -hmm. doing it separately uh and it's worked out that way we you know it's been it's been fun of course now i want to photograph all of them i really want to see the ones i haven't seen and i'm also there three or four that I photographed and I know David has feels this way too, that I want to get back to it. I, I didn't, I, I feel like maybe I didn't hit the nail on the head or it was early in the project and my ideas evolved. And so, yeah. uh, 
part of that's just not wanting to let go because it's yeah. so much fun to, yeah sure doing this but see now, now i think of this but access wise i mean these are public buildings right so yeah. you're not asking for special permission i mean you you can anyone can uh can do something like this yeah so, for the most part yes um most capitol buildings are completely open to people whether you're using a tripod or not mm -hmm. you're welcome to come in in all the you know in any places where it doesn't say you know not open to the public um you're free to photograph but there are some that require advanced permission um very few actually. very few yeah. yes um but that that varies from one to another there are some there are some interesting mm. and different policies also there are a lot of places that will very readily open up for us beyond what they might for typical sure. tourists sure. who wants to get in if uh and sometimes especially in smaller quieter capital buildings it might be as simple as a security guard if there is one makes a call to somebody who says oh yeah let him into the senate chamber or you know wow. whatever it might actually, be actually on our our first trip we went to albany first and which is actually still one of my favorite buildings but you know they had state police and metal detectors and stuff but you know there was no issue we just came in we started photographing the next one we went to was uh montpelier vermont we get there and we had called ahead because we weren't sure about the whole permission issue. And, you know, we walked, the doors open, we walk in, nobody's there. We're walking around, we're looking around. <laughs> and I said, shouldn't we go find somebody? And David's like, well, the door's open, it's a public building. And I said, well, let's, let's find somebody. Anyway, we finally found a woman behind a desk and a security guard sitting in the corner near her uh, at a different desk. And we said, oh, you know, we're the people who called about photographing. And she says, oh yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> and and the, and the uh and the security guard looks up and he goes oh you want to go in the governor's office he's not here and i was like sure you know it, wow. it was yeah it was so open and you know it's a beautiful then, thing you know you go to, i went i photographed uh sacramento california and that was guys in black suits with earpieces and two metal detectors and no arms crossed staring at you you know <laughs> it was a different environment but you know it, it both situations worked you well, know that's culture that's our big big country yeah yeah that's it, that's true it's interesting too though to compare just the let's say the the amount of security or not there as you said rob said there's places where we simply walk in and if we decide we want to check in with someone we might have a tough time finding a, a security person to do that with other places have i'll call it more or less uh, airport security for mm -hmm. getting into the building uh i can think right i think of boston Des Moines, mm -hmm. Iowa. But even there, once you're through the security, it's just open. And it's it's the same sure. as the ones where you were allowed in and you could just walk around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's that, that I, part of it's very, very gratifying because these one of the ideas behind these pictures is this sense of these civic temples that belong to the yeah. people. You yeah. know, I mean we don't have we're not a country that like uh you know, some of the older civilizations in the world that have these religious temples right. that, uh, is it the, the mini, the, the mini Taj Mahal. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Shart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, our Republic has this idea of self-government, mm -hmm. which is being, uh, yeah, is, uh, we're in interesting times regarding that. <laughs> At least but, we have these temples. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And no, the whole thing about, you know, the States and how they relate to the, the right. federal government and the history of the individual states 
is so embodied in these buildings. I mean, right. you know, most of us haven't been in our state capital since a fifth grade, you know, yeah, yeah. school trip or something. And uh, I had a little bit of that in my head, like, uh, is it going to be boring? You know, whatever. You know, it's been fascinating. Some of these places embody such a rich and contradictory history mm-hmm. within the building. You know, I, I photographed South Carolina, yeah. which had the huge uh, rebel flag controversy um, not too long ago. And I had been there a few weeks before that transpired. Oh, wow. And it's filled with Confederate uh, commemorations of various mm-hmm. kinds, including in the wall, four feet tall, carved in marble, the Articles of Secession, which I thought, isn't this treason? I mean, yeah. you know, and there yeah. it is glued to the wall, right? Wow. Uh, on the other hand, on the grounds outside uh, of the building, along with some other memorials, is the absolute best and most moving memorial to African-American life in the United States that I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, and it's, and there's the it's little, there. Yeah. You know, it's all and there. You see that kind of contradictory political struggle in a lot of places. I, it, it turned out to be incredibly interesting hmm. in that regard. I mean, um, One of my observations that started really early on was noticing that it seemed like Abraham Lincoln was in every capital, <laughs> but I was only in Northern capitals for a while. And then yes. when I went into the South, as we Things might shifted. expect, that really changed. Um, and I think it's in um, Alabama that Jefferson Davis stands proudly up on a statue, up on a right. tall pediment, up above the, the, the Capitol building is built up on a steep hill and he's standing there looking out over the, over the city. Wow. Um, so seeing some of these, uh, making some of these comparisons that we that we see as we travel is uh, has been very interesting. Wow. Well, and that's the beauty of of the exhibit and the book or other exhibits as you see those side by side, right? When else can you? You probably can't take the road trip you've all been on for the last couple of years, right. but to be able to flip through that and look at these, uh, you know, the physicality of these places and the history behind these places, the interpretations, right. you know, of these places. That's really fascinating. The, the historical um, interpretation of various events really is, shows up in these buildings in interesting ways. Uh, just one example is yeah. this uh, photograph, which is from Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, it's a big building modeled on the Capitol building, uh, in the, in the, uh, the U S Capitol building in Washington. And I got there, I'm looking around there, huge, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century memorials to the Confederate soldiers, the Confederate widows, all this stuff. And, you know, you go in and there are various other things. I walked around to the side and here was this very moving, uh, sculpture of the, uh, Little Rock Nine, the children who desegregated the mm-hmm. little rock schools right. in the fifties. And, um, it, it, it again was one of those examples of how people raise their hands and say, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. I've got an idea about what happened. And you see that, you see that embodied in these buildings and it's very interesting. Yeah, they're alive. They're yeah. alive. Yeah. And, uh, they really are alive. I mean, Florida, uh, Tallahassee, Florida, I went to, which is really the worst, ugliest building of, of the of the ones I've seen. 
<laughs> I was going to ask what the worst might well, have been. Well, it, yeah. it's, it's an office building, but it's kind of like a bad 80s office building. Uh, somebody's probably going to complain that I'm compl- <laughs> saying that. But for my taste, it was not the most beautiful sure. building. Uh, but I went in there, and the place was filled with people. Uh, there was a demonstration going on. Oh, it was wow. it was um, um, something like elementary school week, and there were all these elementary school children wow. and teachers and advocates. They had tables out. They they were lobbying the you know the uh, legislature on various children uh, issues for school children, and you know it was people there working hard to make a better life for their state and. It was very moving, you know. That yeah. was one of the. A lot of times, uh, we've been in the buildings when they're not in session. We have a little yes. more free access to various places and all that. But this was a case. I happened to be in Florida when that was in full blown session, and uh, and people were there doing various kinds of political work, and uh, you know, it it felt alive, even yeah. though the building itself was somewhat less uh, beautiful than some of the older buildings, mm-hmm. but. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was wonderful to see. Wow, the the buildings are in a lot of ways they're stages for the civic activity, mm-hmm. and in that sense, yes, they are very alive. Sometimes they can feel like museums. They're fairly quiet. You don't see there's nothing. Not, Congress isn't in session. You don't see that kind of activity, but you might see school groups coming mm-hmm. through. Um, when I was in Madison, Wisconsin, there was what I learned soon after was a daily protest. At lunchtime, from 12 to 1, this group of protesters would come in, and in this this uh, very uh, stone and reverberating um, rotunda, they would protest. They were walk, marching in circles. They were singing. Wow. Um, everyone knew they were going to be there. The yep. police were there just watching. And at 1 o'clock, they packed up and they left. But they were they wanted to get their... That's, they wanted the governor out. That is what democracy looks like. And they like. were determined <laughs> yeah. to make yeah. that happen. Um, but, re, but, you know, that could have been could have been done elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's done in the state capitol buildings. And they're often, you just see someone is speaking about something and there's the capitol building yes. behind the stage, the background. Yes. Well, I'm going to... Yes, I'm going to um, ask you one more question. And I'll ask it, and then I'll stall and give you time to think about it, because <laughs> I, um, you both seem so compatible with each other, and this is such a great collaboration. And if you were going to choose one photograph by the other as as your favorite in the exhibit at the museum, or, or I suppose in the book, you know, because you guys know a lot of the work really intimately, you know, what's an example of, of uh, a piece that you think the other, you know, stands out to you as a favorite? And my stalling is to say that you have to go to the New Haven Museum to see this exhibit. Of course, um, it's called um, Capital America, and it's going to be up until June 30th. And it is, um, as uh, you guys said, it's upstairs on the second floor in the rotunda. And on the first floor, And actually. on the first you floor, too, it, right. As you walk in, you yeah. have part of it. The majority of it is upstairs. The day I went was during Lunar Fest, and there was all sorts of people around, but the work still stood out. You Still, there was a way to do it. So if you go on a typical day, there's a bunch of exhibits to see, but you cannot miss it. Um, take some time to really explore it. Did it give you enough time to think about a piece that stands out by yeah, your... Yeah, I... Yeah. Dave... Well, first of all, David... David's pictures constantly make me feel uh, uh, inadequate and envious. You know, I'm always like, oh, God, I got to do a better job. You know? uh, <laughs> As a good collaborator so, should. Yeah, well, I, I, I do feel that. But um, in the exhibit, I, 
one of his pictures that he's he would think of as one of his signature pictures, I think. Um, but he was he was on the fence about including it in the exhibit, and I think I talked him into it. It's from Cheyenne, Wyoming, mm-hmm. and it's a view down a hall- hallway, a quiet hallway on a quiet day, uh, black and white checkerboard tile floor. On the left-hand side are a bunch of uh, um, offices with signs like, you know, state treasurer or something like that. Very mundane. It looks a little dusty, a little like Mm -hmm. a somewhat forgotten 30s office building. And in the back of the, in the the distance in the picture at the end, end of this section of the hallway is a relatively large, but in the context of the picture, it's not so large, bust of Abraham Lincoln. And suddenly as you're struck by the meaning of the place because of that, that quiet inclusion of this very powerful image of Lincoln and what he represents. So that, that pic, that picture, uh, I've always loved that picture and I'm glad he decided to put it in the exhibit. So thanks Rob. All right, David, you're on the spot. Well, that it really is a tough question. I don't know how many thousands of pictures that yes. we have each produced for this, um, but at least this moment, one that comes to mind, and I'm pretty sure it's in the exhibit, and that's the Alaska photograph oh, of yeah. the table. It's in a um, probably a conference room or something like that. And again, as Rob sort of described mine, there's something fairly mundane about it. It's a picture of a wooden table, there's a stack of papers on it and there is a statue and probably a painting on the wall. So it's a number of elements that we just kind of, we look at, we take for granted. There's absolutely beautiful light, sunlight Mm -hmm. coming in from the window. And the, so the tones are just gorgeous in the photograph and the elements so nicely speak of what I think has been a priority for us in this project. We're not after only the grand view that we expect to see from a state capitol building, but the little details that define something of these spaces, that they are museums, but they're working spaces, they're real places where democracy happens. And I think all those elements are really nicely captured Mm. in that photograph, along with that really gorgeous light that helps to define it all thanks well i all in all this seems to me like a good news political story for the day (laughs) so uh i'm really grateful um for rob and david for being here and giving us that little glimmer it is the glimmer of hope of the republic as as photographed by you both so beautifully um and thanks to everyone else for listening to art beat on wnhh new haven's home for community radio And I hope that you'll support that exhibit. Go to the New Haven Museum before June 30th. Plenty of time to see see Rob and David's exhibit, Capital America. If you'd like to support this show and all of the programs, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Share this episode with folks that you might want to take to the exhibit. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Take care. Thanks for having us here, Dan.